Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? Oh, I'm a little lower this week. I'm not sitting. I'm sitting on the tiny chair. But I forgot. You say that like it's a punishment I made no, no, you no, do. No, no, like, I was get you to the tiny chair. <laughs> I forgot the meditation pillow, so I'm I'm back down. What a bougie life we live. Huh? <laughs> I'm sitting on the tiny chair without my meditation pillow. Well, you're sitting in a swivel office chair. Listen, there's not enough room in my recording pain box <laughs> for us both to have comfy chairs. So what are we gonna do? Me sit in the tiny chair? No. Have you seen me? I'm quite large. I mean, I I suppose. Okay. How, how's the weather up there? Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Listen, we're doing another biography, um, and we have once again entered into a realm that we've fallen into quite often, in which I know absolutely zero mm-hmm. about the person we're talking about. In fact, I'm realizing right now, I don't know who we're talking about. Who are we talking about? Okay. What is happening? Okay, Where okay. am I? Calm ah! down. Wait, wait a minute. Take a breath. <laughs> so last week, we talked about George Washington Carver. Uh-huh. And uh, we were like, hey, this is a cool dude. Yeah, definitely. And Alex was like, hey, let's talk about a lady. And I was like, yes, let's do that. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. Sure. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah? That's that's right. I can't remember. I think goose is... Okay, it's not important. Idiom. Yeah. I think, right? Yes. I mean, it's an idiom, but it's a pretty transparent one, right? (laughs) But why geese? Okay, I guess that's true. Add that to the list. Okay, so who... What is the name of this mystery person? It is Shirley Chisholm. Shirley Chisholm. Chisholm. And she did some pretty cool stuff, I bet. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. Um, okay, so much more recently than George Washington Carver. In fact, Shirley was born uh, in 1924. Okay. Uh, served seven terms in Congress. and what? And died in the 21st century. And this is the shortest episode we've ever done. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, okay. I just I'm I'm talking about just like normally we're like mm, just after Queen Victoria's reign. So you're setting the table. I'm here. setting the table here and saying, look at how recently this person lived, and you and I didn't know about it. Okay, so this is in the last century. Yes. Uh, she served seven terms. Mm-hmm. Seven terms. It's twenty-eight years. Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. How do we not know about this person, Teresa? Uh, well, because the history of an in- an entire race of people is not represented very well in public school systems. Oh, okay. So, so uh, Shirley was a woman of color. Indeed. Okay. Um, like I said, she was born in 1924. Um, her parents were immigrants. They lived in Brooklyn, New York. I've heard of it, yes. Mm-hmm. Her mother was a seamstress from Barbados. Okay. And her father was a factory worker from Ghana. Okay. And here's the thing, right? Um, immigrants in Brooklyn at that time and now uh, also uh, had a challenging time providing for their families. And they often had to work several jobs. 
to make okay. their ends meet, right? Um, so her dad worked in a factory and also as a baker's helper, and her mother worked as a seamstress and also a domestic worker. So And had at least one kid. Yes. So here's the thing. They wanted to actually, like, live a, a, a somewhat, you know, pleasant existence. So they wanted to— The American dream. The American dream. A somewhat pleasant existence. They wanted to save up money for a real home, uh-huh. right? And to, to live in a, in a home. And they did eventually buy a brownstone. But oh, good. in order to, you know, work enough to pay the bills, Shirley and her sisters were sent back to Barbados to live with their grandmother. Okay. There's no, like, problems with that because her grandmother was a lovely lady. Okay. I always worry whenever there's a biography of anybody, not just on this show, and it's like, and then they were sent to live with someone else, and it's like, oh, no, man, I've seen Disney movies. I know what happens Aww. now, but it's fine. Everything's fine, I guess. Uh, and she lived there from 1929 to 1934. Okay. Uh, so she had a lot of schooling. So like 5 to 14? No. 5 to 10? 34. Yeah. Okay, 5 to 10. Um, so she had some pretty formative schooling years in Barbados, which is actually pretty cool because they do a real, like, um, British style school in Barbados, you know, where it's They uh, call everything aluminum. They have biscuits instead of cookies. It's very strict and traditional. Okay. Uh, there's no, like, kindergarten or whatever. I would not have done well there is what you're saying. No, no, not at all. No. Okay. Great, 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 great. Not at all. Uh, And she said that Granny gave me strength, dignity, and love. I learned from an early age that I was somebody. I didn't need the Black Revolution to tell me that. Cool. Yeah. Um, So back in New York, Grisham, uh, you know, continued to... Chisholm. Chisholm. You're right. Not Grisham. (laughs) No, Grisham was busy writing (laughs) novels at this point. And being a CSI in... That was, the, wait, hold on, Nevada. Gil Grissom. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God, why do I know that? <laughs> well, because CSI is like a huge part of our adolescence. I watched a lot of episodes. We did. You know what's as sad? We were growing up. Not to divert from Charlie Chisholm, who is already an incredible figure, but I never watched any of the episodes with Ted Danson on it from that show. Wait a minute. And I loved you. Ted Danson was on yeah. that show? Which CSI? He was on CSI original. That's the one went, in Las Vegas, right? Yeah, I went Gil Grissom, and then Lawrence Fishburne, and then Ted Danson. Really? Yeah. And huh. I stopped watching when Gil Grissom left, and I don't know why. I think maybe that was when I moved out of the house and away from my dad's TiVo. Yeah, that I might think be why I, I stopped that's watching. That's probably it. I think that's when I stopped paying for cable. Okay. Back to the very important story <laughs> of Shirley Chisholm. We got off topic, but it's a okay. A little bit. Uh, because she did not get off topic. Oh, okay. Uh, she continued her education, always excelling academically, uh, earned several debate trophies and awards, went to Brooklyn College, got a Bachelor of Arts was a member of the Delta Sigma Theta sorority and the Harriet Tubman Society. So Okay, accomplished already. Accomplished at a young age, one Absolutely. So she took her work with the Harriet Tubman Society particularly seriously. 
and advocated for black soldiers in the military during World War II, fought for more African-American history courses, and more women in Brooklyn College's student government, which I think is a really great way of foreshadowing Indeed. her Indeed. career. Fought for women in government, you say? Mm. Mm. Although, although, at the time... She professed to not really being interested in politics at large, saying that she had a double handicap because she was both black and a woman. Uh, so she thought that it would be very difficult for her to make make her way into those spaces. So perhaps not that the interest wasn't there, but rather that the expectation was, even if I wanted to, I wouldn't be able to. It would be so uh, difficult to do that perhaps it is not worth it. Perhaps. Okay. I don't want to put words in Shirley's mouth. Of course not. Okay. So, in 1949, she married Conrad Q. Chisholm, who was a private investigator. And I always, man, TV and movies have ruined that for me because I hear that and it's immediately so glamorous to me. And I know in real life it is not. But in my head, I'm like, ooh, solving murders. (laughs) I'm like, no, I don't think. That's probably not it. Probably not. I imagine there's a lot of just kind of like hurry up and wait where you got to yeah. get somewhere to see somebody do something and then you have to stay there and watch them while they do it. And I see a lot of uh, photographing people doing inappropriate things. Or just things that they lied about. Yeah. Well, that's inappropriate. I mean, lying We're, about... we're off topic okay. once again. Yep, 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 yep. We're very chatty today. Yep, yep, yep. Well, okay. I haven't seen you in three weeks. So... No, that's <laughs> not true. Although sometimes you do live in your office. Um, Okay, anyway. Being married did not slow her down, as is often the case, Uh, but she earned her master's degree in early childhood education from Columbia University, Mm. worked as a teacher's aide in Harlem. She was the director in 1953 to 1959. She was the director of the Friends Day Nursery in Brownsville, Brooklyn, and also of the Hamilton Madison Child Care Center in Lower Manhattan. So by 1960, she has a lot of credentials under her belt, and she becomes the consultant to the New York City Division of Daycare. So at this point, uh, you said 1960? Mm-hmm. So she would be 36 years old? Yeah. Okay, got That's it. That's awesome. Got it. You know, it's so uh, weird to have hit a point in my life now where when I hear the age 36, I don't know if that feels old or young to me because I am 37. Mm. And so I hear 36 and I'm like, yeah, but is that late in life? (laughs) I don't know anymore. (laughs) And you know what? Let's take a moment to think about it and to write a thank you note for our sponsors. All right. First, we want to write a thank you note to Function of Beauty. What is the function of beauty, you might ask? Well, for me, it makes me feel powerful, honestly. Like, get, do I'm Being my... beautiful or choosing your beauty products? You know what, both. <laughs> um, it, it, I was hoping that you would say that. Yeah, I find uh, part of self-care for me, and this is, I'm not going to say this will work for everybody, but for me, it's being invested in myself, mm-hmm. right? Thinking about myself, making choices for myself, and thinking about things that are not only utilitarian for me, but make me feel special. Like, that is good self-care for me. Sure. And so with Function of Beauty, the thing I really like is that you have so many choices 
and that you can really specialize the formulas of the beauty products for your like specific needs and tastes. Very right? cool. Yeah. So as you go through, like uh, you can customize like how the shampoo and conditioner smells. Like you can even go so far as to like aesthetically choose the color of the shampoo because it comes in like clear bottles. Oh, right. So yeah. I, I have a purple and a pink one and they're really cute together. Uh, and I also got uh, some like leave in conditioner that I love mm-hmm. uh, and some like, like, uh, you know, hair treatment stuff that I love. Uh, it smells great. Uh, it, it works well with my dry scalp. It works well with my hair type. Uh, all of these things, because I went through, I did a quick but thorough quiz, uh, and there are over 54 trillion possible formulations of this stuff that they can make for you. And one of my favorite things, it's really silly, but you can choose like what it says on the side. And so mine says Function of Travis. <laughs> of course and it, it does. it makes me really happy. Every ingredient of Function of Beauty uses is vegan and cruelty-free, and they never, ever use sulfates or parabens. And you can also go completely silicon-free if you want to. I, it's I'm a big fan love the way it smells love the way it works on my hair uh never buy off the shelf again just to be disappointed go to functionofbeauty.com slash manners to take your quiz and save 20 percent on your first order that applies to their full range of customized hair skin and body products go to functionofbeauty.com slash manners to let them know you heard about it from our show and get 20 percent off your order that's functionofbeauty.com slash manners Schmanners is also sponsored in part this week by Sunbasket. Okay, so here is the skinny on this. Oh, lay down. Sunbasket now has fresh and ready meals starting what? at just $8.99. Get out of the town. Uh, these are Michelin awarded, James Beard awarded chefs, and it's really great because they are prepped and they are ready and you can heat them up in just six minutes. What? Check out some of these awesome meals. Okay, lay it on me. Butter chicken with basami, basmati, there it is. <laughs> Rice pilaf. Uh-huh. Beef chili with cheddar and Greek yogurt. Okay, that sounds great. I want to eat that right now. Creamy mushroom penne with baby spinach and almonds. I want to eat all of this. I do too. Now, it did for a second sound like you put a comma between baby and spinach. <laughs> so it sounded like with baby, spinach, and almonds. I think I don't think that's what you meant. No, I was just trying to get in the mood. Oh, baby, okay. spinach. spinach. Okay. Okay. It's clear now. Doesn't No baby included. Got it. Okay. And right now, Sunbasket is offering $35 off your order when you go right now to sunbasket.com slash schmanners and enter the promo code schmanners at checkout. Again, that's sunbasket.com slash manners and enter promo code manners at checkout for $35 off your order. Sunbasket.com slash manners. Promo code manners. Don't forget it. Hey there, beautiful people. Did you hear that good, good news? Something about the baby Jesus? Mm, he's coming back. Or do you mean the fact that <laughs> Apple Podcasts has named Fanti one of the best shows of 2020? I mean, we already knew that we was hot stuff, but a little external validation never hurts, okay? Hosted by me, writer and journalist Jared Hill. And me, the ebony enchantress myself, Travel <laughs> <laughs> Anderson. Fanti is your home for complex conversations about the gray areas in our lives, the people, places, and things. We're huge fans of, but got some anti-feelings toward. You name it, we fan-tie you. Nobody's off limits. Check us out every Thursday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your Slayworthy audio.
when last we left off, you were telling me about Shirley Chisholm. <laughs> I was waiting for something. Okay, she got appointed uh, to a very important job uh, yes, as a daycare yes, advisor yes. in 1960. Indeed. Um, one would say that she was at the top of her professional game. Okay. And this is when, this this decade, the 50s and 60s, is when she begins to work as a volunteer for different candidates. She volunteers for organizations, political clubs like the Brooklyn Democratic Clubs and the League of Women Voters. Okay. And this must have kept her very busy. Oh, yeah. Is all I can say. So this is when she's kind of starting to like almost sidestep into politics, right? Yeah. By getting involved in these clubs. It's not like she is setting out to mm-hmm. achieve political uh, office herself. But she is definitely becoming involved in politics at this point. Okay, got it. Exactly. And she goes all in with some of her favorite groups being the Unity Democratic Club, which is run by former elect flag member Thomas R. Jones. Okay. This group is exactly like what I feel like the American dream like aspires to be it's very middle class it's racially integrated and women are included in leadership roles nice imagine that okay <laughs> I don't know why that was directed at me but okay I, you know what as the straight white male says representative here I will apologize to you okay thanks okay great love it so she campaigned for Jones but they lost the election it in 1960 and ran again two years later and won. Okay. Probably with her help. That's okay. what I'm saying. That's okay. what I'm saying. I don't doubt that. I, I agree with you. <laughs> I don't know why I'm being so hostile. I just, no, I totally understand why. I, I feel like, here it is. This, I'm going to lay it on the line. Please. I'm angry that nobody told me about this. I'm angry that it did not, it was not included in the the history that I was taught in school, I'm angry that it had like completely slipped the radar of like the political era that I'm currently in, and I feel like it's a huge disservice. So I'm sorry that I'm taking that out on you. When really, I I guess I need to no, go back can... in time to middle school and high school and take it out on. The curriculum writers? You can take it out on me. It's okay. Okay. You okay. Can, it's okay. This is when she decides that she would run for his seat in the New York State Assembly. Okay. After Jones chose a judicial appointment instead of running for re-election. Okay. There was a bit of resistance to this. I can imagine. Right. Considering the timing, considering that she's black, all this stuff. Anyway, no matter She was not able to get the UDC to support her as a female candidate, which meant that the group she had been supporting for years left her high and dry. Bummer. Again, I'm giving you dagger eyes, but it's it's not your fault. I'm so sorry. It's okay. As the representative of the establishment slash patriarchy, I will happily take those daggers. I understand. You don't have to apologize to me. 
So Chisholm chose to appeal directly to women voters, using her role as the Brooklyn branch president of Key Women of America, which was another one of those societies she belonged to, to mobilize female voters. So she won the Democratic primary in June of 1964, and she went on to win the seat with over 18,000 votes. Nice. To give you a little bit of perspective here, several of the other candidates in the race got 1,900 votes. Oh, okay. So, a landslide, one might say. Indeed. Okay. All right. She served as a member of the New York State Assembly from 1965 to 1968. Um, And by 1965, she had already made a name for herself there. She was honored at a Salute to Women Doers event in New York, but she was always ready to do the work, always going for it. So what she would say is that because a person functions better in his native language is no sign that a person is illiterate. And she led a push for black representation on key committees, uh, working with the statewide Council of Elected Negro Democrats. This was a really great thing for her. But she's not done yet. Boy, what? Go on. In January of 1968, Chisholm announced her candidacy for Congress. Okay. And her campaign was super cool. It was unbought and unbossed, which would later become the, uh, what do we, on the headstone? What do you? Epitaph. Epitaph. Which I think is awesome. Very cool slogan. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because it was absolutely true. She was in charge of it. And she did not accept any, like, uh, corporate, what is that? Funding. Funding. Mm -hmm. It was all grassroots organized. Chisholm was initially assigned to the House Agriculture Committee, which... It's kind of like... Oh, I guess, yeah, I guess, spoiler, she won, right? Oh, she yeah. Won the oh. Yeah, she yeah, yeah. Won. Okay. we said that, right? Okay, she she served seven terms. She served seven times, so she won. Okay, right. great, great, great. Um, but I want you to think about the House Agriculture Committee, and she is from Brooklyn. Yes, yeah, an interesting fit. It does feel a little insulting, given yeah. her urban district. Especially considering that it seems like her background is like in education mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kind of feels like maybe they might have just tucked her away somewhere. But she did the best she could with what she had and she did a really great thing for um, the Supplemental Nutrition Program for Women, Infants, and Children, um, which, if you don't know, the WIC program uh, provides federal grants to states for supplemental food, health care referrals, and nutrition education for low-income, pregnant, breastfeeding, and non-breastfeeding people, um, as well as children under five. Okay, cool. Yeah. So that, especially, I think, would be uh, useful to her district, but also to... The, the country? Yeah, the country at large. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And one of the main things that I think categorizes her her terms is that she continues to fight for equality, right? She only hired black women to work in her office. No, sorry. She only hired women, and half of those women were black. Um, and she, even though she faced incredible discrimination, she 
thought that it probably wasn't due to the color of her skin, but probably because she was a woman. Uh, Still, women are very underrepresented in Congress. um, And, you know, we keep fighting that good fight. You know, here's the thing. Okay. Alex put in this really, I get so flustered because I am, I have a lot of issues that are not yet resolved regarding the patriarchy. She includes this story that I think is important, even though it's frustrating. Uh, Every single day, there was a representative that would come up to her and say 42.5 in reference to their $42,500 salary, which they made as representatives. Uh, Even in that time, not a ton of money, but she said, One day, he said too much, and I said two things. I said, first of all, since you can't stand the idea of my making 42.5 like you, when you see me coming into this chamber every day, vanish. Vanish until I take my seat so you won't have to confront me with this 42.5. And I said, secondly, you must remember that I'm paving the road for a lot of other people looking like me to make 42.5. Nice. Whoo. I'm getting all, I'm. Yes. It's not just warm in here. I'm getting a little hot under the collar about this. Let us take the next echelon. Please. Yes, please. In July of 1971, Chisholm began exploring the possibility of presidential candidacy. I know, right? She formally announced her bid on January 25th, 1972 at a Baptist church in her Brooklyn district. That's amazing. Why did we not know about this? I mean, I feel like I had heard like whispers and rumors about these sorts of things When Hillary ran for president, there was like little, oh, well, she's not exactly the first and blah, 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 blah. Right. But I think this is a really important point that the the public school system, at least in Ohio, where I was raised, don't don't talk about. And you're being very quiet. And I'm sorry. No, I (laughs) listen. This is the kind of thing where I'm just super interested. I'm just listening as hard as I can that I don't miss a single word. Okay. Here is her candidacy announcement. Okay. I am not the candidate of black America, she proclaims. Although I am black and proud. I am not the candidate of the women's movement of this country. Although I am a woman and equally proud of that. I am the candidate of the people, and my presence before you symbolizes a new era in American political history. That's really great. I got goosebumps. That's really great. Oh, so good. All right. I don't have to tell you that she did not win. Mm -hmm. Uh, She did not receive the Democratic nomination. I believe she placed sixth. She wasn't able to scrounge up the funds. Yeah. Um, and I think that even now, it really just takes so much money to get to the head of the line of these things. Yeah. Um, You're paying so much for, like, name. It has nothing to do with, like, how good your policies are sometimes. Sometimes it's just, like, how many people know your name. Right. And that takes money. Yeah. 
Um, she at that time only spent uh, three hundred thousand dollars in uh, in total. Pretty much mm. for advertising and speaking in which sounds like a lot, but for a presidential campaign, it's really it's not. not. I feel like didn't wasn't Bernie Sanders talking about how he needed to raise like a million dollars by January or something last year? Anyway, anyway, security was a major concern for her on the campaign trail. Uh, she received three confirmed death threats. Um, to which point her husband served as her bodyguard until she was able to receive protection from the Secret Service in May of 1972. She continued. She persevered. She won 20 to 30 delegates. But, you know, here's the thing, right? She was not able to secure the nomination but it's not that she didn't make an impact mm-hmm. uh, because she continued to push against the war in Vietnam. She wanted voters from every corner of the country to be able to feel like they had a voice. And in the end, she was spoke to her campaign team afterwards saying that I am not downheartened. I am not disillusioned. I am not bitter. The only thing that I continue to regret in this course is that we didn't have the moolah. (laughs) But her legacy still exists. For the rest of her career, she continued her crusade for equality. Uh, She worked on several bills, including one to give domestic workers the right to minimum wage. During Jimmy Carter's administration, she called for better treatment of the Haitian refugees. Uh, Her first marriage took a toll. Uh, uh, because I imagine that she was pretty busy. Yeah. And then uh, she married in 1978. She married again. Another former New York State Assemblyman, which I think is cool. Man, she she finally got a little bit of rest, but then her husband was injured in a car accident, and so she... Retired from Congress in 1982 to take care of him. Um, And I wouldn't say that then she retired from public life, but she went back to doing things like volunteering and speaking at colleges. And she did campaign for Jesse Jackson in 1990. And she uh, like completely retired in 1991 in Florida. She was called up for service again in 1993 by Bill Clinton um, when he nominated her to be the United States ambassador to Jamaica. But she, by that time, was in poor health. She was nominated that same year to the National Women's Hall of Fame. And she passed away in 2005. And like I said, her vault reads unbought and unbossed. She sounds very, very cool. Totally. Um, and I am also now mad that I did not learn about her in school. And especially like when you get to things of like 1990 and 2005, yeah. and I'm thinking, huh, that's definitely a time when I was very aware of the world, but apparently not aware enough. Yeah. And that's, that's not great. Uh, that's why it's important to tell these stories and to talk about these people uh, until 
uh, the schools and the history books get it right. Now, in Brooklyn, there are some really great tributes to her. There's the Shirley Chisholm Project on uh, Brooklyn women's activism, and that still exists today at Brooklyn College. It promotes projects and programs for women and works to preserve her legacy. In January of 2018, Governor Andrew Cuomo announced his plan to build a state park in her name, uh, and that was opened and dedicated on July 2nd, 2019. Uh, So there's a beautiful mural of her right at the entrance of the park, and uh, there's another one, another monument, uh, hopefully, to be located at the entrance of Prospect Park. And in 2015, Barack Obama posthumously awarded her the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Well, uh, that is amazing. And and thank you, everybody, for joining us for this episode. Thank you, of course, to Alex for suggesting uh, that we talk about Shirley Chisholm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if I'll- you want to find out more, uh, there's a documentary on Amazon. There are several biographies, multiple movies, and miniseries that have been dedicated her- to her. They are merely an internet search away. Thank you, Alex. Yes, go check that out. Uh, thank you to Alex for helping us with our research. We would not be able to make the show without your help. Thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you to everybody who sends in topic suggestions to our email, uh, schmannerscast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at schmannerscast, and that is where we will put up uh, calls for questions when we have actionable kind of questiony episodes, which the next one should be. Um, and we want to say thank you to MaximumFun.org, our podcasting home. What else? Who else do we thank? We always thank Brent, Brentelfloss Black, for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Thank you to Kayla M. Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art, again, at SchmannersCast. Thank you to Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. Go ahead and join that group if you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans. And that's going to do it for us, so join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Schmanners manners. Get it. Maximumfun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported. I'm Jesse Thorne. On the next Bullseye, we've got the one and only Ted Danson. We'll talk about his new show, Mr. Mayor, about Cheers, and about the secret to success in comedy. I mean, I I feel like one of your signature comedic moves at this point uh, in your career is gazing. Uh, You do a lot of interesting gazing. (laughs) (laughs) I also love this. (laughs) <laughs> Gazing. I love that. And if I'm not, I'm going to start because that's great. That's Bullseye. Find it on MaximumFun.org and PR.org and wherever you get podcasts. <laughs>